You know you don't have to wear your PT gear anymore, right? It's comfortable. So how's civilian life treating you? It's fine. When I got out, I didn't want to admit that there was anything wrong because I felt like a failure. And then I realized, like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. So I started talking to someone. Maybe you are fine. But if you're not, it's okay. Thank you. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. Welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I'm a Marine Corps veteran and your host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubuzu Network. You can find out more on hubuzu.com. I want to thank my sponsors and supporters, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Mark Holmes, Army National Guard veteran of Reaper's Detailing Power Washing, and my supporters, Quezon Shaving Company, Black Cat Designs, and Green Compass CDBD Products, courtesy of Don Dutcher. Thank you. Hey, we're in Q4 of 2023. The year is almost over. It's flown by, and this is a year about learning and action. And so I love it when I get veterans who have taken their experience and create something with it. And so I, I'm pleased to introduce my next guest who has written this amazing book called Look to the Warriors. Lee Kelly, welcome. Welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. Happy to be here with you. So Lee, you're on Oscar Mike Radio. Uh, I've enjoyed reading the book. I can't wait to dig into that. But we got to talk about the like origin story of Lee. So kind of tell us about you know who Lee is, your your military story, and we'll kind of take it from there if you would please. Absolutely, man. I'd love to. And you know how it is. I could talk about this stuff all day. So so you know, stop me if I. <laughs> all right. But uh, yeah. So let's see. Uh, there it was. What 1992. And, uh, you know, I know I'm not the only person to say this, but I am I was the last kid on the block who anyone thought was going to join. The, I wasn't that kid, right? I wasn't in JROTC. Uh, I was. I grew up in New Orleans, okay? And it was a little bit of a of a crazy party lifestyle for, for, for it's crazy to be a teenager in New Orleans, okay? And so we embraced that side of the city. And uh, after high school, just had a couple of years. It's, it's a blur, to be honest. It was a little wild. And then... I don't know, you know, life happened and I remember being in a spot and all of a sudden it looked really, really appealing to me. And looking back, I think most of it was just talk about step out of your comfort zone. I mean, I didn't see it at the time, but I just wanted out something new, biggest challenge. I wanted to see what I could do and just go. So I went into the recruiter's office and literally went in there, talked to him once or twice. And within two weeks, I was on a bus. You know, it was one of those. It wasn't a long thing. Thought about it for a little bit, signed up, and I was out. And uh, so 1992, left New Orleans and went to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. You know, uh, basic training, AIT. I was a 13 Fox Ford Observer. And then, you know, what they do is they wait till you're all gung-ho like the last week or so, and they go, hey, who wants to go airborne? And we were like, sign me up. And so we all volunteered to go uh, to jump school. And so left Fort Sill, went to Fort Benning, went to jump school. And then my first duty assignment was Fort Bragg, 82nd Airborne, 2nd of the 319th Airborne Field Artillery Regiment. And boy, when you're 20 and just, I, I hadn't seen much of the world. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I look back now and, uh, you know, 
it's almost embarrassing. Not really, but I just remember we 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 just we complained so much. That's what we like <laughs> to do. Our, we like to complain. That's our job. That's our job. We just I remember being like, man, I feel like I'm doing, you know, do I'm, I'm done with my sentence. I mean, we just were so negative about some of that. And I'm looking back, I'm like, but I volunteer. I volunteered and then anyway, but it was uh at the time it was just intense. It certainly wasn't Rangers, Special Forces, but we thought we were pretty cool. You know, we were we were uh, airborne and the Red Berets and, uh, you know, it, it was amazing and got to do a lot of traveling, some cool training. Um, and I did my three years and was like, done, done. Got out, went home. And to my great shock and surprise, after a break in service, I was like, I missed it. I, I actually went back in. Who does that? I know people do, but I, uh, and I was, you know, married and I was like, it just, it seemed like it sounds crazy now, but it seemed like uh, a good idea at the time. And it's neat because I ended up having almost like a second career. It's like, I mean, it's all one career with a break in service, but, uh, I went in with a different attitude. I was a little older and, uh, I ended up going ROTC and becoming an officer, so, and then I went to Fort Campbell, 80, uh, 101st Airborne Air Assault, uh, got the air assault and then um, ended up being on active duty orders where I was in that on active duty orders, but in the Utah National Guard for, for some years. Um, and that's who I deployed with in 2005 to 06. We went to Ramadi, right? Right okay. now, province. Yeah, you know, that's a time when when Time magazine called Ramadi the most violent place on earth. And it's just statistically the amount of IED. Right. It was just yeah. it was a crazy time to be there. And so I look back now and I got out in 2008 as a captain, company commander. That was my last job. And so, you know, I was one of those officers. I was like prior service. So I had a little bit of street cred. <clears throat> so I have a pretty balanced career. It was about 11 years Um half active duty, about half in the guard, except my guard time was almost all on active duty orders, half enlisted, half officer, you know. Um, and then for me, I'm I'm one of those, uh, there's a lot of statistics. There's people who get physically hurt and people who get hit with that. There's all kinds of statistics. I'm the other kind of statistic. I'm the kind that my marriage didn't survive the deployment, right? Uh, the family really, I'm not blaming the military. That was all on me, but whew, it was 18 months back then, you know, six months of pre-combat training, then a year boots on the ground. It's a long time for, for a one and a three-year-old kid and for a marriage that I didn't realize how unstable it was, but apparently it was a house of cards and 18 months will blow the wind right out from under that. So people, people, that's don't, why people don't realize that Lee, people don't realize the strain and you know, in the best of times in military marriage, marriages is hard, but, you know, look, you've been there. You're, a, you're an O3, you know, I was an E3. I watched plenty of E5s, E4s, and E6s, even a couple of E7s come in our barracks with a sea bag. Absolutely. And, and, you know, life, life was rough. Right. It takes a toll. It takes a serious toll. You got to be really, uh, yeah. If there's problems and issues, they're going to reveal themselves quickly uh, yeah. while you're 8,000 miles away. And so it was bad. I won't get into that, but I'll just say that um, I didn't plan on coming back and being a single parent with full custody. I'll put it that way. You know, so that's really 
that's really why I got out. You know, I was at 11 years. It's like, might as well keep going now. I, you know, I was, I, I was over that hump and I thought I was going to maybe just go for it and retire. And uh, as a direct result of, of the way things went and my family situation changing so much, uh, I had to make that call and uh, resign my commission and, and took a whole different path in life um, around 2008. So it's it's 2023 now. So let's see that Brink can do math. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's like, you know, it's been a minute, been a minute, you know, 12, 13, 14 years later. Right. You know, um, I guess I hate assumptions, but I'd have to think because I've been through not what you've been through, but similar situation. You, you, there's a lot of self-discovery at two o'clock in the morning when you look at the ceiling, trying to figure stuff out. Is this where the genesis of, of the book came into place or were the lessons being learned that you wrote about later? No, it's exactly what you said. It's like when I was in the military, I was just in it. I was living my right. life and my thing. It's it's the perspective. It's the time since I've been out reflecting. And it just, uh, you know, I, I get into this a little bit in the book. I'll share this where um, this is really the heart of it. This is the, this is the nexus of it all right here. So, you know, like I said, I was in a very violent place. I mean, our brigade lost 80, 86 people in 12 months. I mean, it was just uh, very, you know, IEDs and, and rockets and, and mortars every day. They called where we lived, our little area, Mortar Alley. And so so that's like you said, that's enough. That's a lot. Then you got the family stuff, right? And the marriage falling apart and feeling like the kids aren't being safe and nurtured, whatever, right? Still trying to keep your head in the game, right? You got to be on, right, uh, um, on high alert. You know what I mean? Um, but on top of all that, just to add to it, for the exact 12 months I'm in the desert, Katrina hits my hometown, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans, and I was the signal officer, so I had all the toys, the satellite phone, took me, I think, three and a half weeks to find anyone in my family, so didn't know what happened to anybody, I'm watching the news like everyone else, and during that time, I mean, before Katrina hit, my mom uh, was on was on the way out. She had breast cancer and it was, she was getting real close anyway. So they had to evacuate her. So, right. So for me, I'm one of these, I came home without a scratch on my body. I don't know. I, I just feel so lucky and blessed because I was, you know, even though I was an officer, my battalion commander's like, even staff officer going out at least once a month on a combat mission, go like there was no doubt about it. So I wasn't outside the wire every day by any means, but I was in some, some spots and but I came home and it felt like this emotional war. That's the word I like to use. Yeah. This emotional war. I mean, just that feeling of turmoil and being pulled and man, it was intense. It was intense. And it created a very, very dark inner environment. And I found myself, uh, it was the kids. The kids really inspire me and, and my duty. I came back at a company command. So my soldiers and just, I, I needed to make some inner choices and make some conscious choices and be my best version of myself. I know that sounds corny, but that's what I did, man. And I finally, they were like, you get 12 free counseling sessions. And I was like, the first time in my life, I was like, I'll take it. And I started asking for help, opening up, geeking out on personal development in the books and to kind of answer your question a roundabout way. I love all that stuff, man. I love self-help books and personal. I mean, it's just, I think it's like a whole genre because it's meant to instruct and inspire. It's written in that way. 
And as I read all those books, as a writer, I'm going, you know what? I'd like to do one of those. I, I think I've got something to say one day. But over a decade, a decade, really what hit me is I'm reading all these. They're all awesome. But two things hit me. One was, man, no one ever said it this way, but a lot of the wisdom that, you know, I learned this stuff in the military. No one said it that way, but the seeds were there, man. I, I, this isn't brand new to me. You know what I mean? And then the other thing that hit me was just, I want to do something different. And there's so many awesome books about, you know, uh, trauma. Uh, it's important, right? And there's books by veterans. And it's like they were in the middle of combat, Navy SEALs, crazy stuff. And they're using that to help people in business. And that wasn't my experience. So I want to do something that I hadn't seen done before. And really trying to give a new kind of a new bridge and understanding veterans and how we can learn from veterans about I use I like inner peace. I just think it sounds good, but emotional resilience, right? Uh inner balance, centeredness, whatever words we want to use. And I think people, the one percent can learn so much from uh I mean, you know, the 99% can learn so much from the from the veteran population. Well, you know, Lee, this is really hitting me in the feels because, you know, I understand some of what you went through. We'll talk about it later, you know, offline. But, you know, as I read the book, and ladies and gentlemen, I'll have the link to uh, look to the Warriors and the Oscar Mike Rio show post where you can uh, check it out and support uh, Lee's work. It, it was my kind of self-help book because... Walk me here for a second. Some of these self-help books I read or development books is some gas bag talking to you. And I'm like, you know what? It's kind of hard for me to relate to you. You're saying all this stuff because you got your knowledge in an academic setting. And, you know, your your Maslow's hierarchy is pretty well set. You know, self-acquisition was easy for you. So it's kind of hard for me to relate. Whereas it seemed like in your book, there was examples from your own personal service and people that you served with and were inspired by to create these lessons. So I'm wondering how intentional was that direction in the book? hundred percent. I mean, you hit it, you hit that. That's what it was. You know, I, I made a lot of decisions there, you know, part of me, I was going to do a book where I go out and interview people and try, you know, what I ended up doing was, yeah, a combination. I wanted it to be, didn't want to write a memoir, but I wanted to use some of my own experience, make it real, make it personal. So you picked up on that, but I interspersed it with kind of anecdotes and I even took creative license and fictional stories. Right. But I, I try to make it clear. This is not just woo -woo, made up stuff. It's, it's based in reality. It's based in people I knew or experiences I saw or even things I went through, but I wanted to have some creative license just as a writer to make it right. Each chapter, it's like, here's the point I'm making. Here's a story to really make it real. And then here's some takeaways that how you can integrate into your life. Boom. Next chapter. So I kind of had a, a format to it that you really picked up on. Yeah. Well, it broke it down in easy to understand uh, concepts, if you will, uh, lessons, I didn't feel like I was getting, you know, preached at or, you know, look, I'll tell you honestly, sir, you know, you're staying there. It's 1630 or 1730. It's in the desert. It's hot. And the lieutenant gets up there and starts <laughs> blabbing for a good 15 minutes. And, you know, you're supposed to stand there and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm. it's like, come on, sir. Just come on. The chow hall is going to close here soon. It's hot. Let's go. 
but it never felt like that, right? It felt like this was taken from a place of, hey, I went through this or I know somebody who did. So as you wrote this, because there's a lot of you in this book, when you got done and, and went through it, what was that process like reading what you actually wrote from a detached yeah. viewpoint? What was that like? Man, what a great question, because I, I, I'm a strong uh, proponent of that. You got to step away a little bit. And so, you know, there was lots of stuff, Travis, uh, self-doubt, right? Really? Yeah, you know, when I really stepped back and I was ready to publish it, there's always that feeling of, you know, a little self-doubt, imposter syndrome, like, I appreciate what you just said, but you go, is anyone really gonna, you know, get it? Are they? I think that's pretty common. So a little bit of that, not enough that I didn't, wasn't going to move forward, but it was a lot of things. Um, but the biggest thing, the biggest, uh, the clearest way I can answer that question is it was uh, validation. It just made me grateful, man. I was like, wow. I mean, I've learned so much. I could have just kept this stuff for myself, but I was proud to be able to sort of pull pull back the curtain and share it. So I'm really, really proud of it. Um, but yeah, there was all kind of there was a whole uh, spectrum of of different phases I went through writing it and some doubt. I wrote it right during COVID. I'd been thinking about it for years. COVID hit. And I was like, I'm just doing this. So I actually hunkered down and wrote this book while the world was going absolutely crazy. Now, you, you write the book and you read it. Did you let somebody else kind of, you know, read it and bounce off what their first feelings were? And if so... What was that like hearing their reaction to your work? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely did. I call them kind of like advanced readers, just a small group, a uh, couple of veterans. But that's what's so interesting about my book, too, is I like to say I didn't write it for veterans. I wrote it about veterans, right? It's it's literally designed for everyone who's not a veteran, people who want to understand veterans more, learn from veterans, be able to relate to, in a way that's not uh combat stuff it's stuff that just everyday stuff that people maybe don't think about that we go through that try to make it relatable however i've found that all my veteran buddies read it too and there and that's been a wonderful reaction from them and military spouses so that's been kind of a, a nice surprise and so yeah i had a couple of veteran buddies and then a couple of like people who don't know much about the military at all and go read this tell me what you think and i got some really good feedback um you know, one of the things, uh, you know, some self-help books will have like exercises and takeaways and others don't. I decided to go with that because I wanted people to be able to integrate this stuff. Okay, you just told me about how veterans are big into self-reflection or this or that. How can I use that and not just have this be a story? And so you notice that part. I said, contemplate this stuff, try this stuff. And then my favorite part, the feedback I got is the ask a veteran part. At the end of each chapter is a little prompt that said, ask a veteran. And I just think that's powerful because if you really do it, the veteran is going to, first of all, probably appreciate, you know, uh, sharing their experience. Number two, the veteran might go, wow, I never thought about it that way. But you're right. I have had 10,000 opportunities to practice patience. I might not be using it, but there's no doubt I've had 10 million opportunities to cultivate this idea of, you know, these ideas in the book because it's like every day. Um and then the person asking will just learn so much. So uh, yeah, the feedback, a lot of the feedback was kind of stuff you said. They liked the stories and um, I got some good feedback on the the takeaways, the, the, the exercises at the end of the chapters. Yeah. So just 
kind of changing gears a little bit, you, you know, a lot of people, you know, the Prime press was, you know, been, a, you know, hundreds of years ago, but there's still something like mystical or magical about actually producing a book that you can hold in your hand. It's still special, even though we are, you know, supposedly so technologically advanced, you know, what's that like when, when someone, I don't know, maybe someone had you sign their book or maybe you saw your books in a box. What was that feeling like Lee? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Like, look, audio, audio books are great. Kindle's cool. Love it all. But to me, there's nothing like an actual physical book. You're right. There's something magic about it. It's uh, it's like the purest form of communication. And so, um, yeah, man, I've done, I've done a couple of books and, um, Absolutely. Especially with this one, it's very, it's very humbling and very uh, cool and very special to, to have someone read it and respond or ask you to sign it. And, you know, did a little book launch party and yeah, it's uh, that part of it's just, you know, kind of gravy. It's really nice. Well, I, I, I know a little bit about book writing, not, not a lot, but enough to know that it's not all gravy, Lee. It's not all gravy. There are significant challenges on a good day I, I was curious if you could you know share some of your challenges writing this for us absolutely yeah thanks for saying that um yeah i did like i said it was uh during a, a weird time you know during covid and of course some of the challenges are just life and right you know you know this is a labor of love right and, and a lot of people don't realize the book's not a really a great business model most books don't make a whole lot of money there's like six billion books a day published you know anymore you can just publish anything and say here yeah anyone can publish anything call it a book and so to stand out or anything so it's an interesting feeling to put it out there anyway and just hey man you know if the if if it touches one person, if the right person read, who knows, right? Anything's possible. Same thing with any kind of art or music. You got to put it out there. Uh, and so, oh yeah, there were lots of challenges. So the big challenge was just overwhelm with just work and career and life and just making the time and not losing, keeping that azimuth, you know, and going, yeah. nope, goal, I'm going to do this. And it took, it took a while. I mean, I, you know, I thought about this book. I remember calling a veteran buddy of mine, one in particular comes to mind. I go, yeah, man, what about a book that's, you know, about, you know, it's not about all the the the, the horrible things some, some of us have been through. It's not about the trauma. There's so many books, movies, show. I mean, and I'm no expert on that anyway. What about a book about sort of the silent majority, I call it, of veterans who are just thriving, man. I, I've been working with them for 20 years. They're just, they just, their military experiences help them to just become better parents, better people, better. It just, it just sharpened them in certain ways. I think I heard you joking on one of your, uh, or someone was joking on one of your recent shows about, you know, back when I joined, it was be all that you can be getting a John life in the army. And I mean, that's pretty good looking back. I mean, that's, you know, it get, I, I think it does give people a certain edge. It's what you do with it. Of course, you can go to any train. If you don't implement uh, and so the challengers were um, keeping that in mind, why I was doing it and uh, overcoming that, like I said, just self-doubt. Um, am I really going to be able to get this book out there? Is anyone going to read it or is it going to get lost in the mix and um, just pushing through and then, uh, you know, trying to get, trying to be open to feedback and, and 
trying to make it something because I did get some some feedback along the way that was would have been a real big change and I said nope I'm sticking to I had a vision for it and I'm proud to say that I stuck to that vision uh, I think I did something something unique I I so I, I had it on my Kindle I had it on my phone I was reading on the train to and from work and you know, the, the chapter spoke to me in different ways. I think that's one thing I wanted to ask you. It almost looks like you don't have to read the book cover to cover. You could find a story in the book if you, or even for lack of a better term, just put the book on the counter, open it up, put your finger there and start reading. It, it almost seemed like you did that that way on purpose. And did I, did I get that right? hundred percent. I mean, there is a certain like chronology. Some of the stories that I share in the beginning, you know, were earlier in my career. And then toward the end, it's like later in my career, but, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. There's not an arc, like the stories are connected. Um, it's 12 perspectives or 12 chapters. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, we skip the introduction. Most people just poof, straight to the chapter one. I do encourage people read the introduction on this one. Cause it really sets up the purpose of the book tells them a little bit about me, but you know, whether they do that or not, you're absolutely right. There's 12 chapters or perspectives and each one is standalone. It's like, you're going to hear, you know, in music, they say the, what's it? The Suzuki method. If you spend 10,000 hours doing something, you're an expert. So my kind of joke or theory is all the topics in this book, patience, self-reflection, uh, personal development, time management and planning, even things like presence and mindfulness, which are fun for me to talk about because no one says that, but to me, they're at the core of the mil of military. Um, for each topic, what I'm basically going to do is so the readers know is I'm going to basically give you my view of why veterans are experts on this topic. I'm not saying every veteran every minute all the time, but I'm talking in general, just because by virtue of the experiences they had, if they repurpose that a little bit and they can, and readers can do this too, Veterans are experts on everything I'm talking about in this book. They implement it to varying degrees based on their life and experience, but I'm telling you. And then I share like a story, right? Something impactful to try to really lock it in and make it meaningful. And then I kind of wrap it up and I say, here are some ways you can integrate this into your own life, even if you're not a veteran. And so you're exactly right. You can, you don't have to go in order. There's 12. They're almost like doorways or bridges into understanding learning from and honoring veterans in, in a new way, I think. Is there any one perspective in your book that you are drawn to more than the other, or do they all equally mean the same to you? Wow, that's a good question. I think there probably is one that I'm just because my personal journey and some of my, uh, you know, where things have gone with me, with my growth and even getting into spirituality stuff, which that's not in the book. Um, but it's probably the one about it's the final chapter called presence and mindfulness because it just I just find it fascinating, right? Now, no now what do you what do you mean by that? Because mindfulness is a term that's kind of I've heard in the last couple of years, but you really emphasize that in your book. Yeah, you're right. It's become just a right. It's a word. It's a buzzword. buzzword. It, yeah, and so all I mean by that. All I mean by that is this ability, and it's something we all have to cultivate. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's not something you do every day. The ability, right? We have sixty thousand thoughts a day. This conveyor belt of thoughts, every, all of us, every day. It's being able to get off the conveyor belt a little bit, 
get off autopilot a little bit and just take lean back a little bit and realize, yes, I'm having thoughts. Yes. I'm having feelings. Yes. I'm having physical, but right. I'm, 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 I don't have to get lost in those things. I can find a centered place and experience those things, process them in a healthy way, but I'm not necessarily getting pulled into them for five minutes, five years, 20 years, right? Like I did for the first 35 years of my life. Um, so everything in the book is so fun because I can remember what I was like and I can feel the right, the growth. Uh, and so when I say it, I simply mean that. I just mean the ability to create some space inside, to slow down a little bit inside in this crazy world, man. I mean, it's just coming at us. And if you're on social media, I mean, the technology, uh, you know, and so that's all I really mean by mindfulness and, and presence is the ability to be in the moment. If you're with someone, right. How many times we, there's a, there's an old thing. It says, when you're talking to someone, you're not really listening. You're just simply formulating what you're going to say next. You're waiting for the opening. And just, right. Mindfulness would be, you're actually able to be there with them a little bit. You're able to just slow that down a bit, whether it's your kids, you know, whether you're at work, whatever. So why I find it so powerful, because I just think it's powerful in life, but it's because in the military, no one ever said that. No one once ever in my 11 years in the military since said, I mean, now DOD's doing meditation. Now they're doing a lot of stuff, research and all this stuff, but no one said that. But in 1992, I can tell you what, the drill sergeant had us hit muscle failure and everyone was freaking out. People were vomiting on the drill pad and he said, everyone lay on your back. And he said, do a mental recon. Take 10 deep breaths, clear your head. What do you want to do? What is that? Is that not mindfulness training? Yeah. And when, when imagine Navy SEALs going on a mission and what do you think is going to happen if every member of the team is totally distracted by the movie they watched last night or what they want to do? No, no, no. They are in the zone, man. The more present and mindful they are, the more effective they are as a team. I mean, imagine basic training. You're going to walk through the woods. You're right. You're on opposition force. Sneak over here and walk up on these dudes. How do you walk through the woods without making noise? You got to be present. present and aware and mindful. So that's just, I kind of go into it in the book, but I find it fascinating in the military and in life. So I thought what a neat way to show people, wow, people who have been in the military, I wouldn't have assumed that watching all the media and the movies and just maybe won't make that connection. But you sit down with the veteran and ask them some questions and use the prompts in the book. They have actually had a, great deal of training on how to be present and be mindful uh on a mission on an operation in a moment and that's very powerful to me so i don't know how old your children are but let's just say they're old enough to read this book but and let's say they're not old enough to read this book but we're gonna go with the first one what do you hope, okay, okay. So what do you hope your children get out of this when they read about, you know, the makeup of their father? And I'm thinking about this as a dad and like, you know, I've done this show, sure. But before this show got started, I really didn't think about doing anything to let my sons really see what made me me. They just got to experience certain parts of me. And a lot of that was because of the Marine Corps. So have your children been able to articulate or talk to you about what they've experienced when they read your book? Yeah. Wow, man. That's a, that's another great question. My kids are uh, 21 and 23, you know, so they're, okay. they're well, you're a long looking dude, man. Great. 
<laughs> they're uh you know they're, they're in there and they're they're young and trying to find their path and all that so that you know um they might not be you know might not be uh the top thing on their list to go sit around and and, and read the book but yeah no they totally read it it came out and uh it was neat i think um I think it's a cool question because as they get older, hopefully they'll revisit it. I think they'll get it more the older they yeah. get. Um, but I think it was neat because they were there. They just didn't, you know, they didn't remember. For them to understand what I was going through and, and when they were one and three, I think is very powerful. And so it was really cool uh, to hear their feedback. And some of it, they were like, wow, I remember that. But of course they were just a little kid. Uh, but to, to, and then on the other level is just, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's part of my legacy. I joke with my kids. I'm like, look, I'm probably not going to leave you a million bucks. Part of my legacy to you is the wisdom that I have been able to gain. So when I'm trying to drop some wisdom on you, just let me give it to you. Okay. You don't have to take it, take it with a grain of salt, make your own decision, but let me drop some wisdom bombs on you. Cause that's the legacy I'm leaving to you. So the book hopefully is something that will be a gift to them, especially later when they're really ready, maybe to, uh, you know what I'm saying? You hit a certain point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I hope so. What is next for you now, either personally or professionally that you want to share with us? Because you get a book done, you get a project like that done. And it's like you know, huge loads lifted off and you, you kind of got to step back a little bit. Is there any, you know, desire to follow up with another book like this or in a different direction, Lee? Wow, it's, it's interesting you ask that. Uh, it's the second part. It's it's different directions. So, um, I, you know, this is a book I just have had in my heart for a long time. I sat down and got it done in a couple of years, but I thought about it for quite a few years before that. And but the dream, honestly, you know, as a writer, I've always uh, considered myself a writer since I was young, and then I professionally, uh, I've been writing professionally for about. Uh, close to 20 years now. And I've done some non, you know, it's all been nonfiction, right? Stuff or professional type writing. And so really, to be honest with you, in my heart, I'm finally, <clears throat> I just hit my fifties. The kids are I'm empty nester. Things are all changing. And I'm like, now it's my, in terms of the writing now, finally the dream. And it's, it's really writing novels and screenplays and all these stories, man. I've got so many that's always been the dream to write novels and stories and screenplays. I've started to dabble, but it's almost like this book. It's almost like a love. It's not this, but in my heart, it's like a love letter to the military. It's it's a thank you because I didn't realize it when I was young. I didn't realize. But the military and especially those 18 months were to this day the most transformative experience I, I, I've ever had. I'm still unpacking it. I'm still sure. unpacking. And the book helped me to process it and to learn even more from it. It is just awesome. And so now that the book's out, I'm just, you know, I'm going to market it continuously. I'm just, just when I say market it, just continue to share it and try to connect with people like you, anyone that's willing to take the time and read it. And I just want to try to spread the message. I'm going to do that indefinitely, really. I'm just going to keep doing that. But in terms of writing, yeah, I've got my career. I'm focused on that. And then I'm working on now I'm finally moving into sort of what's always been the dream, which is my first novel and getting into some stuff like that. Awesome, man. Awesome. I mean, I, I love this aspect. And, and this is the thing, you, you know, for for it seems like there's this theme this year where veterans do these amazing things. They serve and they get out, whether they served in combat or not. And then they take 
you know, certain aspects or all their military career, and they continue to either serve or really make impactful change where they are or, or do some amazing things. And we're a small part of the population, but, you know, we're, we're pretty amazing when we sit back and think about it, if we allow ourselves to be. Um, you know, kind of winding down here, what do you think the veteran who's trying to write or, you know, create their own music, their own brand, their own business, what do you think, you know, besides the obvious, they can get out of your experience as they're trying to go through their challenges and ups and downs? Yeah. Um, I would just say, uh, try not to listen too much to that, that voice in our, you know, that, uh, self-critic in our head. And I talk about this in the book. I know for me, I know it's true for a lot of people. I would even say maybe most people, maybe everybody, but for most of my life, uh, the biggest bully, the biggest critic, the person who had the most horrible things to say about me lived right up in here, you know, lived in this apartment rent free. And so I, I would just encourage veterans. I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to sound, you know, uh, corny, like, you know, but, but man, it's very unique. There's all these, you know, what is it? Tony Robbins, you know, your comfort zone, you know, your true growth begins where your comfort zone ends. And there's all these memes and things. You want to talk about stepping out of your comfort zone, be a 19, 20, 20 year old kid, get on a bus. You don't even know. You have no idea what's going to happen in five minutes, much less where you might get sent in the training. It is the ultimate stepping out of your entire life and your entire comfort zone. I just don't think there's too many experiences there's, you know, there's some related, uh, but that just, because it's so unknown, because it's so out of your, out of your comfort zone, the potential for growth is huge. And so I would just ask veterans to remember that very, very special, unique group, um, whatever you served in, whatever you did, it, it you know, it's really pretty crazy that only like 2% of our population ever serves in, in uniform. So have compassion and, and try to create bridges. Uh, and that's what I was trying to do with the book, turn it into a really positive way that people can relate to, listen to, and learn from veterans in a new way. So well, speaking, speaking of all that, how can we connect with you? And more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing all this, you're watching Lee, how can we support you by buying the book? Yeah. Oh, that'd be fantastic. So you can get a couple of places on uh, my website is leekelly4.com. You can put the number four or spell out four and it's there's links and everything on there. Uh, of course, it's on Amazon. Uh, I really, really appreciate, you know, for sort of independent authors, you know, who don't have big fancy, you know, uh, marketing teams and stuff. Uh, reviews and things really are really important. So I would, I would really ask everyone, hey, read the book. If it resonates with you, please take a minute, jump on there, leave a review. It just helps to, to for other readers to see how you responded. But yeah, Amazon, um, my website, leekelly4.com. Uh, and then in the book and on my website, in the back of the book, there's all right, all the uh, links to, you know, LinkedIn. I'm not on all the stuff, but I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, you know, so I'd love to connect on all those platforms too. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in the Oscar Mike Rio show post, you'll have the Amazon embed for the, the link. You'll have the link to uh, Lee's website and the social media links. I put them all in there. So you have no excuse. You can find them all. And, uh, you know, Lee, 
you know, sitting there in the train, uh, the train got stopped. You know, I'm riding the commuter rail into Boston and there's been some problems and I'm like, you know, this, this blows, I, I can't stand this. So I take out my phone and pull up the Kindle app and start reading through. And, you know, I, I got a, I got a stoicism vibe out of it. You know, uh, I'm like, okay, I, I can't control the train. I can't make it go. I can't get out and push as much as I would like to. I, I've got to be in that moment and only get, you know, invested in what I can do and understand that, you know, what my actions are going to have ripple effects, not only in my life, but other people's lives. That's, that was kind of the lesson. It's kind of funny. You know, I'm like, you know, my word, I need to get home or I need to get to work and we're stopped again. Why can't I work from home? But uh, all that being said is, you know, I'm like, I'm letting external influences and stimuli affect me instead of realizing what I can't, cannot control. And that, that, that was a good reminder, you know, to, to let certain things go. So it, it did have an impact on me. I, I definitely enjoyed reading it. Um, you, you know, we all are trying to figure out life and, and figure out what's going on. You, you've written this book. You're going to do other things personally and professionally. Um, would you do your army service again? Wow. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what, what that would really look like. I don't, you know, like right now at this age, go do it again, you know, but you mean kind of go back and do it again? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like I said, I sure didn't, you know, that 20 year old kid who showed up at Fort Bragg, he didn't get it yet. He, I did not appreciate the gift. I was really, I had given myself by putting myself in that situation, but looking back now, yeah, I mean, it's life-changing for me. Absolutely. Um, life-changing. So I didn't realize how good I had it, you know, messed (laughs) up things aside. I I get to Fort bliss, uh, to go to the air defense school at the Marine Corps. And he said, Hey, your, your, your job's going away. And I'm like, this all blows, but I still didn't realize how good I actually had it. And, and, and it would be a a 100% yes. So, well, Lee, uh, thanks for coming on and, and, and sharing with us so openly and candidly, uh, you know, I, I really felt like that, that I got a lot out of this, you know, not only the book, the conversation, ladies and gentlemen, I'll have the links, check out the book and, uh, you know, maybe it'll change your life. So I just want to say thanks again, Lee, for coming on talking with me. Thank you, man. Sincerely for taking the time to read it and then taking the time to have you on your show and just for everything you're doing, helping veterans get their voices out there. You're awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well, no problem, Lee. As we say in Oscar Mike Radio, ladies and gentlemen, we are Mission Flight. Uh, Stay tuned for more, and thanks again. Join us on National Wreaths Across America Day, December 16th, 2023. Each December on National Wreaths Across America Day, our mission to remember, honor, and teach is carried out by coordinating wreath-laying ceremonies at Arlington National Cemetery, as well as more than 3,700 additional locations in all 50 states, at sea and abroad. Join us by sponsoring a veteran's wreath at a cemetery near you, volunteering, or donating to a local sponsor group. Thank you for listening and watching Oscar Mike Radio. 
where our active duty service members and veterans are in action and the mission is in flight. If you are a veteran or know a veteran who needs help, please dial 998 and press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line.